are clearly not as easy as we'd like them to be sometimes, right? They're a little complicated. And, and so I, I love that scene. That's a great movie, by the way, if you've ever seen Inside Out. If you have not, you should. The whole movie's hilarious. The whole movie's like that. Um, but it really does an incredible job of trying to walk through, I think, some of the things we think, we feel, right? Some of the issues we have as we're having conversations with people, especially conversations that are difficult, conversations that are deep, or conversations that we don't agree with the direction the other person is going. But at the end of the day, we recognize, especially in a family unit like that, you recognize that those relationships, as difficult as they are, are both wonderful and so important to us, right? I mean, yeah, it was funny to watch him say, I'm going to put the foot down and send, him to his, send her to her room, but, you know, eventually, hopefully... He's, he's going to hug her, <laughs> right? He's going to reconnect with her because she matters to him, because that relationship is so important. So we're going to spend the next several weeks walking through a little bit of basics on relationships, because they are both unbelievably important and horribly complicated at the same time. We're going to talk this week about communication. We're going to talk uh, next week about kindness The week after that, we're going to talk about a three-letter word that starts with S and ends with X. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Six. Yes, we're going to talk about six. So we're going to talk about that too. Uh, And I'm trying to throw that out there now because it makes everybody giggle immediately when you say the word. The Bible has a lot to say about that word, and we miss that word a lot. We don't discuss it. And we're going to talk about a healthy relationship and why the Bible makes some choices to do some th- to remind us or advise us to do certain things. It will not be a class on sex ed or any of those things. You're not going to get that. But I would recommend that if you have a kid that you aren't, I would call it PG-13. If you're not ready for them to hear that next in two weeks, make a plan for them not to be in the room. If you don't want them to hear that, we may extend additional children's time or, or add opportunities. We'll get to that. Okay. I want to be prepared, but I don't want to avoid it. And then we're going to talk about love, and finally we're going to finish up with conflict uh, because conflict is clearly what we just saw here, a little bit of that, and, uh, and it's not always easy to work through. But this week we're going to start with communication. So let's look at a, a, our working definition of communication. Uh, the goal of effective communication is to send a message with the intention of informing, inspiring, or questioning with the message fully understood by the recipient. And I think that's really important that it's fully understood by the recipient. You had three people sitting around a table together, all trying to communicate something to one another, and neither one really got where the other one was going. Right? You saw that poor wife go, we got to signal the husband, and they're clueless, which as a husband, I'm pretty clueless most of the time. So, and then the husband doesn't understand how to engage with the daughter, and the daughter's upset. And so communication doesn't always get the message across. It it is the hope that is the goal is to have it fully understood. But the truth is, in all of our relationships, we struggle sometimes. We struggle sometimes to get that message fully across. George Bernard Shaw says, the singest bigel problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Right? The illusion that it has actually happened. You know, I, um, 
I don't know about you, but sometimes as a parent, I feel like I spend a lot of time repeating myself, right? And I say to my kids, I told you to turn off the computer, or I told you to get ready for bed, or I told you, I've told you 15 times, right? And the whole time, and, and, and I get angry, and the kid turns around and goes, why are you angry? Because this is the 15th time, right? And I thought, for sure you heard me the first time, or the second time, or the third time, and I'm operating under the illusion that what I'm trying to communicate to you is fully understood, but the reality is, it's not. And I think we do that. I think we, we try or we fall short, we settle for the notion that we've communicated something because we've gotten it off our chest or because we've said it, and the reality is we haven't. It hasn't gotten across. And I don't think it's just our personal relationships. I think it's the way we kind of work in the world sometimes. Uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter are at once, you know, Facebook especially, keeps me connected with people I know that are, don't live in state, which is awesome. But I try really hard to screen what I say and what I listen to on it because I'm confident that whatever I spew out will not get across the way I intended it. Does that make sense? I promise it will be heard the way the person receiving is feeling or reading into that. It will not be heard the way I intended it. Texts are the same way. I think texts are wonderful for communicating information. I think it's horrible for communicating feelings or opinions or having a discussion. Can I just say pick up the phone? It, it, it makes a big difference because then you get to hear the tone of their voice and you know that something that they're saying to you is not meant to be taken poorly. It's just a discussion, but we jumped to conclusions. We assume that as the sender of the message that I've said what I need to say and they heard it exactly the way I wanted to and the person receiving assumes that they've heard it exactly the way it was sent and neither one is true. So we're going to try to work through how the Bible might look at those things and how we might get better at it. Types of communication we're going to look at are verbal and oral, or oral communication. That includes music, nonverbal or interpersonal communication. That's your body language. Written communication. And by the way, this past week was the anniversary of some very important written communication. Do you know what that was? The 564th anniversary of the printing of the Gutenberg Bible. Why is that important? Because before that, this, these things you have in your pews or that you can take home or that you can see on your phone was not available to anybody and everybody. It was only available to a very small group of people. That's a written communication change that changed the world. I think it's one of the greatest inventions ever. So at least that form of printing. There's formal and informal communication. You say, what is that? Well, there's differences in the way you communicate if you're communicating with somebody at work or if you're communicating with your family. I use very different words. I'm far more formal up here than I am with my family because I'm communicating to a very different group of people across a broad spectrum. So there are changes that we make in the way we communicate. And then there's visual communication. Real quickly, the best way to ensure a message gets across is to try to hit all of these, if you can. 
is to know your audience, know who you're speaking to, make sure you're writing where it's appropriate and verbal where you need to be, make sure that your body language is good and we'll get into that too, okay? But if you want it to get across, it takes extra effort. You can't just chuck it out there and go, I communicated, my job here is done. It's not how it works. So let's get into it. Our text today is gonna be James 1, verses 19 through 20. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Great words, hard to live by sometimes. Because I don't know about you, when I hear somebody say something that really makes me angry, and I try really hard not to tell you my opinions on things while I'm up here, because then somebody else will come up to me and go, you think what about what? And I don't want that. But if I hear somebody say something that makes me really mad, my immediate response is what, do you think? Anger as well. And what do I want to do? I want to defend it. I want to tell them. I want to correct them and tell them that they're wrong, right? Don't you? When somebody's wrong and it really boils your Bunsen, don't you want to tell them? Absolutely you do. Who doesn't want to fix that? Because it's creating these emotions, these feelings. But James says, look, you have to stop and do some things first before you respond. And those are the things we're going to walk through today. Very simple. I'm not going to turn any sideways paths or anything. I think I'm just going to take you straight down the road of what this text says. Just because I think sometimes we need to be reminded that communications is not as easy as we want it to be, and that the Bible gives us some really great advice for communicating better, all right? So the first one is this, listen first. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this, everyone should be quick to listen. I am by nature a fixer, by the way. If you come to me with a problem, my first response is, How can I help you fix it, right? Have you ever told somebody something that was a problem when you really just didn't want them to fix it, you just wanted them to listen to that? Can I tell you that's a real challenge for me? Because especially with with Heather, I love her very much, and as she's telling me there's a problem that she wants fixed, my brain immediately goes to, okay, how can I solve this problem? And what she really needs to do is what? She's not talk it out, right? She needs to work it through. But I want to fix it, and I want to fix it now. But the the text here says, if somebody comes to you with a challenge or a difficulty or a problem, don't go with your gut all the time. We like to say trust your gut, but sometimes your gut lies, okay? Don't go with your gut. Stop, pause, hit the button, and listen to what they're saying. And that's important that we understand what listening really looks like. Active listening is what we're looking for. And so you need to pay attention. If somebody's having a deep discussion with you, this little device that's in your pocket, please turn it off. Please don't stare at it while somebody's trying to talk to you. Please don't stop and interrupt them and check your texts. Please also don't interrupt them. One of the greatest pieces of advice somebody ever taught me was when you're actively listening to somebody, try not to think about your response. Try not to think about how you're going to respond. Because if you're thinking about how you're going to respond, you are no longer listening to them. 
Does that make sense? And that's not a natural thing for us. We all want to prepare that response, especially if we're angry, right? You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and you're running, I'm running through the Rolodex in my head going, well, that's wrong with this argument, and that's wrong with, oh, I'm getting ready. As soon as you're quiet, here I come, right? But if you're actively listening and you're really paying attention, you are not thinking about those things. And I will tell you, for me at least, that takes effort. That takes making a choice to put down my phone, making a choice to make eye contact, making a choice to say, I'm not going to ponder what my response is because right now I'm listening, okay? Epictetus said there's a, that God gave us two ears and one mouth because we need to listen twice as much as we speak. Keep that in mind. The next thing is show that you're listening. Uh, make eye contact, nod, be involved, be engaged with the person you are listening to, right? Simple, sounds simple. We don't always do it. We go, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Like I'm doing something or I'm busy working on something and Heather will start to try to talk to me and I'm like, yeah, I, I hear you, I hear you. Really? Is that the body language I need to send to her? No. Can you tell if somebody's not really listening? Yeah, okay. So why is it we convince ourselves that even though I could tell if you're not listening, you can't possibly tell if I'm not listening? Come on. Provide feedback, answer questions, and repeat back. Defer judgment. Hard. Hard for me to defer judgment, to set it aside and say, I'm not going to judge anything you have to say until you're finished. But I tell you what, as hard as that is, that is so important because most of the time I have found that if I stop to listen, I find out that what really set me off about what they were saying had a history to it. There was a reason they came to the conclusions they came to. Are there reasons you come to the conclusions you come to? Please afford the person you're talking to when you're communicating the same opportunity to explain where they're coming from and why. Because sometimes if you find out where they're coming from, it starts to make sense. And you're better able to work with them, to understand where they are, and to help them or let them help you, let them speak into your life. We carry, whether we want to believe it or not, we carry our baggage with us all the way through our life. If somebody's come to a conclusion that guns are bad and guns should never be around and nobody should ever have a gun, it's highly possible somebody close to them was killed by a gun. Now, if, if somebody super close to you was killed by a gun, it, could you be open to the possibility that it might change your mind on guns? It might. Give them that opportunity. Don't jump to the first conclusion. Defer your judgment. And finally, respond appropriately. If you're actively listening, you will respond to them. You will not just walk away and leave them. You will respond appropriately. And that takes us to our next point. You listen first and you speak less. Right? You speak less. 
Proverbs has got some great verses for this, <laughs> the law of averages on how often you speak. It's Proverbs ten nineteen says, when there are many words, sin is unavoidable, but the one who controls his lips is prudent. And then it says in Proverbs seventeen twenty eight, even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent, discerning when he seals his lips. Words are a bit like toothpaste. Once you squeeze them out of the tube, you can't get them back in. And even the Bible reminds us that the more you talk, the more likely you are to say something stupid, offensive, wrong. You're more likely to say something dumb. I have found that personally to be very, very true. Because as I, as I look back on some of the discussions I've had, I find myself going, well, that was kind of dumb. I probably shouldn't have said that, right? Have you ever had that happen to you? No? Are you that good? You never say anything you wish you hadn't said? Gregory, do not raise your hand. You say things all the time you wish you had. Okay. Okay. Plato said, wise men speak because they have something to say, fools because they have to say something. Ooh. When we're talking about when we should respond and how we should respond, you know, it's okay to sometimes not respond. You realize that? If you read through the New Testament, you read through the, the, the Gospels in particular, and you see the way Jesus responded to people, um, you know, he didn't answer stupid questions. He didn't. He didn't. There, that's, there, there's, we have this misunderstanding, this misconception that if somebody is spewing something out that you do not agree with, or they're, they're communicating something that is, is divisive or wrong or gossip or any of those things, that you have to respond to that. Guess what? You don't. Sometimes responding appropriately is not responding at all, verbally. Why do you think that is? Any idea? Huh? You're just adding fuel to the fire, right? You're adding fuel to the fire. It's, it's important that we remember that sometimes a lack of words is important to maintaining clarity in our perspectives, clarity in our opinions, and keeping things on track. If you're, remember, the point of communication is to get a message across to make sure that both fully understand. It's not to win a fight. It's not to make my opinion known over yours. It's about reaching an agreement. It's about getting something across. It's about making sure you understand each other, not making sure that you understand me. Does that make sense? Because sometimes when we get into those conversations, our goals switch from I want to understand you to you better understand me. Yes? True? When that happens, we've lost our credibility in communication because we've made it all about ourselves. And that's when we get into this next thing. <laughs> Remember here, the goal is slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness, is what it says. The goal of effective communication is to send a message 
with the intention of informing, inspiring, or questioning with the message being fully understood by the recipient. And I want to say something very clearly. Understood and felt are not the same thing. Understood and felt are not the same thing. If you are thoroughly hurt by something that somebody has done to you, and you want them to understand that they've hurt you, that's okay, that's communication, that's a good thing. If you want them to feel the pain you feel, that's no longer communication. That's vindication. You've crossed the line from trying to be understood or trying to inspire, or trying to communicate, or trying to connect, or trying to make sure everybody understands how you feel, yes, but if you're expecting them to feel the way you feel, probably not going to happen because you're no longer communicating. I see it often with people who are in pain. They lash out at others. They don't lash out at others for the, for the sake of communication. They lash out at others because they want you to feel the pain they're feeling. Now, there are people in this world that are very, very empathetic and can immediately feel what you're feeling, but that's not everybody. It's not everybody. It's the reason why James says you need to be slow to anger because human righteousness does not, or human anger does not reflect the righteousness of God. You being angry or hurt or upset and expressing that as the goal and wanting others to feel it too is not righteous. And it's not reasonable. But I sometimes, when I'm really upset, I want you to be upset with me. Right? I want you to be upset with me and for me. I want you to be standing in a corner with me at this word commiserating, which is what this is. It's commiserating. I I actively try to avoid people who are commiserating, who invite me to be in misery with them, right? Because once you get into that world, it's a really deep hole to dig out of. And if you're trying to communicate something to somebody, I need you to remember That if you're trying to communicate or have something understood, awesome. If you want them to feel what you're feeling, you are now commiserating. You are not helping them. You are dragging them down because all you're trying to do is vindicate your own feelings, validate your own feelings by forcing them to feel the same way. Please don't do that because you lose your ability to communicate. That is, again, what social media is. It is, I'm angry, and I want everybody to be angry with me. Does that work out well? Really doesn't. It creates anger, dissension, knee-jerk reactions, because we stop listening first, we stop being slow to speak, and we let our anger drive the decisions we make. That is not God's righteousness. That is my own sinfulness, my own brokenness, and my own anger. It's almost impossible to make somebody feel what you're feeling. 
I think we need to make sure we check our hearts and measure our words before we speak always. Not sometimes, always. Do I make that happen every time? No. But I need to try. We all need to try. Because if the relationship matters, and if the goal is to communicate, to be understood or inspire or help others grow, I need to remember that I need to convey God's righteousness wherever I can and not my own feelings, because sometimes my feelings are wrong. Sometimes my feelings are backloaded with my baggage, because guess what? We all have baggage. And sometimes, funny, we don't know why we feel the way we do. We think we do, but we really don't. That's a story for another day. If you're wanting somebody to be convicted of something you're telling them, what do you need to do? You need to let God handle it. How easy is that one? Let God handle it. John chapter 16, verses 18 through 11 says, when he comes, and that's the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. He, the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit and or Rob, the Holy Spirit and or Barb, because I made eye contact, sorry, okay? It says about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. It is Jesus's role to convict people. It is our role to communicate with one another. But don't expect in a conversation to convict people. Now, what does that mean? If I'm mad at you, and I want you to feel what I feel, or I want you to change immediately, can I will that to happen? No, especially not one of my kids. I can't suddenly tell you, when has anybody ever been able to tell you, you need to change your mind right now, and you immediately change your mind with no explanation? Has that ever worked for you? No? It's not going to because it's God's job to convict. It's God's job to change opinions. It's our jobs to inform. It's our jobs to inspire. It's our jobs to communicate. It's our jobs to be there for one another when we need to be, yes. But it's not our job to change each other's minds. And sometimes we, we think we need to. You can't do that. You can inform. You can inspire. You can communicate. You cannot change their mind for them. That should be freeing to you, honestly. That really should. That should be freeing to you, knowing that, there, that something greater than you and me has the ability to change people's minds. Our call is to trust him to do that, if you can. So as you're learning to communicate with each other, what are some practical, practical things you need to take with you today? What did you hear today? This is a question for you. What did you hear me say? Listen first, okay? Pray. Slow to speak. Let God, oofed. Let God convict, okay? Anything else?
not judgmental. That's a hard one. That's, I'm glad you said that one because that one gets lost. Deferring judgment is one of the hardest things for us to do because we all have our opinions, okay? If we're going to be the, the body of Christ, if our relationships are going to grow, and if we are going to be able to be there to minister to one another, learning to communicate well matters. Learning to listen to each other has to happen. Learning to speak less, listen more, and remember that our anger does not, does not bring forth the righteousness of God. We have a tendency to think if I'm angry, then God clearly must be too. Not necessarily true. Not necessarily true. Okay. So I am finished with the sermon for the day. What we do here now, this is a new thing we've just added to our services, is to take an opportunity to close in prayer. We're going to play some subtle music underneath. We also have some prayer requests that we're taking ahead of time, and I may go through here and look for some prayer requests too that need to be public. I will announce public prayer requests as we go, but I also want, if you are willing to come up, are you guys willing to come up? Well, come on up. Okay. We're also going to have some people up front who are willing to pray with you. If you need prayer on an individual level, you feel like you don't want to tell the whole church, that's fine. Some prayers should be kept to you, but I, I want you to know that somebody is here who's willing to pray with you, who's willing to go to God, to intercede on your behalf, to walk with you as best they can, to be here a little after church if that's what you need them for too. Um, if you are interested in doing this in the future, uh, I would love to see anybody and everybody be up here being a prayer warrior at some point, okay? So what have we got going on? You can start playing. Really, the only prayer we got on our list this morning was from Peg Smith. She's uh, praying for Barb Kenninger, who has flu and diabetes, and we would pray for healing for her. I would also like an opportunity to pray for Diane Hickey this morning. Um, Diane, you know, if you know her, she got back surgery last week, right? Uh, the, the story is she's doing okay. As of yesterday, she wasn't in a lot of pain, right? Amen. Praise God for that one, for our, our holy healer. Uh, we hope to see her up and moving again soon. I don't have a lot of prayer requests. Are there any more? Any? Pray for the troops. Everybody stand, by the way. It's less awkward to get up and come get prayer requests if everybody's already standing. So Gretchen's having a, a 5K hope run. Okay, so we're, we're praying that Gretchen doesn't fall over, right? Okay. Okay, anything else? Any other prayer requests? Anything else you feel like you need to get off your chest? Yes. So we're praising God that her yes. spine is straightened up and, and an infection caused something incredible to happen, right? Whoever gets an infection and thinks that God's going to do something amazing with it, but in this case, straightened her back out, right? Praise God. Praise God for that. Anything else? Come on. We live in a God, a God who heals, a God who can heal, and a God who does heal, right? We should celebrate that. 
I praise God every day for the bravery to be able to go out there and meet people where they're at because I've met people on the street that I can I can connect with and it's not just because I'm me because if you know me I talk to anyone but God God helps okay praise God for giving us courage we need to invest in that was there somebody else I'm missing yes what you got okay Okay. 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 Did you hear that? We need to pray for Parker today. He's having breakthrough seizures that are keeping him from working. He's going to have an MRI, right? Or an x-ray or going to see a neurologist this week. Hopefully pray that God will heal that. God will bring it to a close so he can get back to work, right? And get back to his quality of life that we know we all want. Yes. Great niece, Ari. Uh, yeah, okay. Respiratory, thank you. Okay. Okay, Travis Young's wife is, is going to have some surgery done on her eyes. Her eyes are in, in difficulty right now. We pray for God to heal that. We pray for God to bring that together. You've already... Okay. 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 Good. I'm glad your surgery was good. Amen. Praise God for that. <laughs> it's okay. I, I did that earlier because I know you're going to pray for the troops every time. Anything else? Yes, Patty. Your son is still having back problems. Okay. Okay. Hopefully he'll get there. Pray for Patty's son and her. What's his name? Bill. Bill. Pray for Bill's back problems to heal. Anything else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we are so thankful that you are a healer. We are thankful that you have healed Mark's mom, Mary, healed her back, and we are we are thankful that you are watching over us with each and every day, that you bring healing, not just physically, but spiritually to us. God, we pray for the, those people that were mentioned today, that you will bring healing upon Parker, that you will bring healing upon Travis Young's wife, that you will bring healing upon Ari, who's suffering from massive respiratory problems in Canada. It's Tracy's niece and the challenges that she and her family are dealing with. We pray that you will help her family come to know you better through this. Because as we just discovered with Mark, uh, things we don't expect, illnesses can make incredible things happen. And we pray that with Ari and her family, it will be a breakthrough of faith for them, that they will come to know you and trust you. I pray that our hearts will continue to be open to, to your conviction to you reminding us that we are destined for more than just our earthly minds and bodies believe, that, that you desire us to be whole in you, that you and your spirit are here to convict us, and you and your, although we don't like that, we need that, to remember that 
Our job is to communicate with one another and to the world of your greatness and your love and your strength and your mercy and your grace and the salvation that only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ and that the Spirit of God, your very Spirit, is with us every moment of every day to do that if we only stop to listen, to to listen to and respond to the nudges that you give us to go tell the world of you. God, we are so thankful for the presence of your Son. We're thankful for the presence of your Spirit, and I am so thankful for the presence of this body of believers here at Gretna. I thank you for their strength and their love. We are so blessed to have each other. I pray that our relationships will continue to grow, that we will get stronger every day, and that we will be continue to be a bright and shining light for you in our world. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a great week.